you realize that Jesus didn't just come to give us a holiday to celebrate, right? He came as a light to shine in the darkness. Listen, listen to me. Darkness, pain, pain and evil. The hopelessness people felt then and the hopelessness that people feel now is what motivated Jesus to come. I've said this a couple times this month already if, you, if you've been here, but you know, without darkness, I'm not sure there would even be a need for Christmas because Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. It's the whole reason why we do this. As I get started tonight, I want to let you in on a little secret, okay? I want to let you in on a little pastoral secret, and, and that is that this is the one message I give every year that I am always fully aware of what my job is, okay? My job tonight is twofold. It is to be encouraging, number one, and number two, it's to be quick, right? <laughs> like, I get it. Like, I know. I know that's my job tonight, right? Like, I, I need to make you feel good. And I need to get you out of here as quick as possible, right? You got other things to do. You got, you got people to see. You got things going on. You got presents to wrap. I, I fully get it. You got, you know, Kevin McAllister to watch. And look what you did now, you little, you know, and I'm going to feed you to my pet tarantula. You know, you got all the Christmas nostalgia to take in and the cocoa, the cider, the whole, the whole thing. I understand. I am fully aware that I am just a small, tiny piece of your day, a small, tiny piece of your Christmas weekend, and that my job is to essentially give you the three points, the poem, and send you on your way as quick as I can. I know, I know, I know. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best, I promise, right? But, but all that said, all the disclaimers kind of out of the way, here, here's, here's the deal. This is what I believe. This is my belief tonight, is that if you would just allow yourself to pause for the next 30 minutes, okay, and open yourself up to the possibility that God wants to affect you tonight, that that is exactly what will happen. Look, I don't know your story. I don't know your background. I don't know the context of your right now, what you're facing and walking through, but I want you to know that I came here tonight with like big faith, big faith, that if you would open up yourself to the possibility that God wants to encounter you, he wants you to experience his love, he wants you to know him on a personal level, that tonight that's exactly what will happen. I, I don't know about you, but I just think we need a whole lot more of Jesus uh, in our world today. It feels like everywhere we look, there is darkness everywhere, right? I mean, it, it doesn't take much effort to look around and spot it. We see it. It feels like it's just increasing more and more. It feels like the darkness is just sort of creeping closer and closer to all of us, right? How many of y'all would just acknowledge that, 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 that maybe for you, there are places, maybe physical locations, uh, that you do your best to avoid driving by or passing by because of the darkness that you once experienced in that place? Any, anybody? Like maybe it's a neighborhood, maybe it's a house, maybe it's a building, maybe it's a certain area of town, but you do your best to avoid going near it, coming in proximity to it, because when you do, you begin to remember some things that you're trying pretty hard to forget, right? So for me, that place is uh, Lutheran Hospital here in Des Moines, and uh, Lutheran Hospital is the place in 2017 where my Uncle Rick was taken after he suffered a massive heart attack. Luther Hospital is the place where my family essentially lived for just over 30 days in the ICU waiting room, praying to God that he would be healed. And it's, it's the place where I, I, I tell people it was, it was essentially the beginning of the end uh, with his life. It, it's where, you know, he has uh, taken after the heart attack, and then uh, the next year of his life he's, uh, is spent in uh, skilled nursing facilities. He ultimately passes away a year after his heart attack from injuries sustained from that original 
heart attack. Lutheran Hospital is the place where I experienced one of the darkest, most confusing moments of my entire life, and so I do my best to avoid that place, right? I don't know if you have any, any experience like that, any places like that. We all are familiar with darkness, aren't we? Like, all of us have a story with it. We all have seen it up close and personal. Am I right? You know, something that I've learned in the dark, if you're taking notes, is this. It's that darkness can leave a mark. You know that to be true? Darkness can traumatize you. It can change your life forever. It can leave you living in fear that something like that's going to happen again. Darkness can create all of this embarrassment. It can create all of this shame. Am I right? If you're familiar with this phrase, it's a real, real well-known phrase, but uh, the saying goes, it's always darkest before the dawn. You guys familiar with that? What that phrase means is that things always seem to get worse before they get better, but, but even in the worst circumstances, there's, there's hope. That, that's really what that phrase means. And so when you look at that phrase up closely, that it's always darkest before the dawn, the hope in that phrase is the rising sun. Right. It's that even though it's dark and it's darkest, like the sun is about to rise. Light is about to come into the darkness. So I've been a pastor for 17 years. And during that time, because of what I do, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to, to just see people go through some, some really dark and difficult times. In fact, truth be told, you know, I am one of those people <laughs> who have gone through some pretty dark and difficult times Myself, and from my vantage point, it's just my vantage point, it just sure seems like to me that people are experiencing more and more darkness, not less. That darkness isn't slowing down. Right? I think that you could, you could make a, a pretty strong argument that there is more darkness on the earth and more reasons to be discouraged as a result. And I think as, as we look around, we just see it. It's, it's everywhere, right? It's, it's, it's up close and personal, and it's also far off and distant. It like permeates so much of the here and now. You know, something that has always amazed me is like the purpose of light, the significance of light. It's interesting to me how like light exists for the purpose of, of essentially pushing back the darkness. Light exists to, to dispel darkness, to displace darkness, right? It's, it's, it's the purpose of it. It's amazing to me what a little bit of light can do in the middle of some darkness, right? Like, it's, it's amazing to me what a little bit of light can do in the middle, just a little bit of light, right? Now, I don't know, um, some of you may have similar experiences if, if you've raised kids, but, you know, our twins are five. Ever since they were born, my wife and I have been trying to figure out a way to just make it through bedtime so we can live to fight another day, okay? <laughs> like, it, it, the struggle is real, right? And so, what we've learned is what every parent has learned is that if, if we put our, our twins to bed in a room that is pitch black, it's, it's not going to work. There's going to be tears and screaming and uh, why did we do this to ourselves? You know, like, like all that stuff going on. And, and what's amazing to me is if I just walk across the hallway to the bathroom right across from their room and I turn the light on and let a little bit of light into their room, they'll go to sleep pretty quick. It's amazing to me what a little bit of light can do in the middle of some darkness. It's amazing to me how a little bit of light can create peace in the middle of some darkness, and you just see them go to sleep, you know, all night long. It's amazing to me what a little bit of light can do, how it can create hope in the, for people in the middle of some darkness. You know, I want to make a pretty bold statement tonight to you. Um, we kick it off our Christmas celebrations 
I want to make a bold statement to you about light and darkness, and it's this. It's that light and darkness is the major theme of the Bible from beginning to end. It's the major theme, I think, of humanity from the beginning until now. It's the major theme of your life, and it's the major theme of my life. Light and darkness is the major theme of the Bible from the beginning, okay? And I'm just going to show it to you right here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. It says this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And catch this in verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And would you know it? There was light. This is the beginning section of the book of Genesis. These are the, the first verses of the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, and these verses really explain how everything began. They, they maybe more importantly explain to us why everything began, and so it should not come as a surprise to you or to me that at the very center of it all, the very first act that God took was to speak the power of light into the formless and empty darkness. Verse 3 sets the scene, right? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. The very first words we have out of the mouth of God on record are the words, let there be light. I just get this image in my head of God just sort of looking, looking out at the darkness and just thinking, no, 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 that's not going to work. Let there be light. Let there be light. Listen to me, the, the, the first words that come out of the mouth of God are the words that really describe the entire Bible from beginning to end. And so what's interesting about that is that 4,000 years later, after God says, let there be light, Jesus would step onto the scene in the Gospel of John, and he would begin to describe himself in words that I would say are similar. In fact, in John chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus says this. He says, I have come into the world as light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Christmas is the celebration of Jesus coming into the world as a baby. That's at least how most people would describe it. You ask people what's Christmas about, especially if they've got any, any sort of like faith background. It's about Jesus as a baby, the infant, you know, the manger, the cute, you know, nativity scene and all that. Jesus doesn't describe it that way. Jesus, when he describes it, he doesn't say that, that he doesn't describe it about, you know, him coming into the world as a baby. He describes himself as coming into the world as light. Shining in the darkness. If you're taking notes tonight or you just want to take a picture or you just want to pretend like you're listening, uh, dark, darkness in any form has never been God's will for his creation. Darkness represents chaos while light promises hope and possibility and expectation. And Jesus says he came into this world as a light, really to bring hope and possibility an expectation that those living in darkness wouldn't have to stay that way any longer. I want to read to you my favorite version of the Christmas story. I'm not going to read to you out of the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of Luke. I want to read to you my favorite version of the Christmas story, and it's only two verses long, and everybody said amen. Two, two verses. This is my favorite version of the Christmas story, and it's in John chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 and it just says this in him was life and that life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not overcome it 
You might be thinking, that's not the Christmas story. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. Maybe it doesn't have camels and mangers and stables and stuff like that, but don't kid yourself. This is the Christmas story. John gives us the Christmas story. Maybe he doesn't give us the, the details, right, like, like, like Matthew and Luke do, but John gives us the significance of Christmas. What we're celebrating tonight and into tomorrow, he gives us the significance that light now shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's part of why I love that Christmas carol, A Little Town of Bethlehem. It's one that we don't sing a lot corporately. It's kind of a hard or weird song to sing, but I, I, I love it because of the one line in there that says, in the dark streets shineth the everlasting light. It's such good theology. It's such, it's such good encouragement for our soul that this is the reason why Jesus came. It's what he did then and what he continues to do now, that in the dark streets shineth the everlasting light. If you're taking notes, look at this thought. Darkness is the entire reason for Christmas. The darkness is what motivates Jesus to come to us in the first place. Jesus came to us as a baby 2,000 years ago because the world was full of darkness. This is why, it's why Jesus comes in the first place. Look, you realize that Jesus didn't just come to give us a holiday to celebrate, right? He came as a light to shine in the darkness. Listen, listen to me. Darkness, pain, pain and evil. The hopelessness people felt then and the hopelessness that people feel now is what motivated Jesus to come. I've said this a couple times this month already if you've, if you've been here, but you know, without darkness, I'm not sure there would even be a need for Christmas because Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. It's the whole reason why we do this in the first place. No matter who you are, no matter where you're at right now. I think it's true to say that we all still have some darkness in our lives, don't we? You know how you can usually spot darkness? By how distant hope feels. You know? But the absence of hope is when things feel incredibly dark. So, you know, as as hope starts to decrease, it feels like darkness starts to increase. You know, and you notice that in your life? Isn't it true that we can all experience different kinds of darkness, times where hope feels so distant? Right? You can experience in your marriage. You can experience it with your kids. I mean, you can experience darkness in your job. You can, you, you can feel this in your emotions. How I many know oh, that's an incredible place of darkness for, for a lot of people? You can experience it in your finances. Like we all can feel darkness in many different ways and in many different forms. And I would just say to you tonight that while all of these examples do resemble real darkness, and you could probably just fill in the blank for whatever yours is, there is another kind of darkness that exists that I believe is the worst kind. It, in my opinion, is the primary motive for why Jesus came to us all those years ago. And in my opinion, the worst kind of darkness is spiritual darkness. There is no worse kind. No matter what you're facing, no matter what life looks like tonight, there is no darkness greater than spiritual darkness. You say, well, what's, what's spiritual darkness? Well, spiritual darkness is essentially... You doing what everybody else does. You living like everybody else. You and I sinning like everybody else sins. But you just 
you have no solution for your sin. And so you have to end up carrying it all by yourself. I personally believe, if you're taking notes, that there is nothing darker than carrying the weight of your own life. There's nothing darker than having to carry the weight of your own life. There's nothing more hopeless, in my opinion, than having to carry the weight of your own life. The shame and the guilt of it all. John chapter 8 tells us a story. It's a famous story of a woman literally caught in her darkness. Tells us the story of a woman who is caught in her darkness, darkness that she had probably wanted to keep to herself. Darkness that she had probably wanted to keep dark. Darkness that she didn't want anybody else to know about. And now everybody knows because she's been caught. It's a pretty famous story. It's one that we're all familiar with. It's John chapter 8, 1 through 11. It's the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. You know the story like I do, but this woman, she's caught. She's brought out into the streets. and Famously, like Jesus steps in front of this woman because these people have brought her out and they are about to stone her to death and he steps in front to shield her, to protect her. And he just, he just says to them, he says, if any of you is without sin, go, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead and, and cast, cast the first stone. If you don't have sin, go ahead and do it. And you know, you know what happens. Like one by one, they begin to drop their, their stones, right? One by one, and they begin to go off into another direction because they all know deep inside there's darkness inside of them and there's sin that lives there. Jesus turns to the woman and he just says, he says, where, where are your accusers? Does nobody condemn you? He says, neither do I. Then I don't condemn you either. He says, he says, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. It's a powerful story, right? It's a powerful story of forgiveness. It's a powerful story of love, of protection. And it's a story that might feel out of place on Christmas Eve. Pastor Jordan, like, what are we, what are we talking about tonight? Like, so much of what makes this story powerful to me is the very next verse that follows. So 1 through 11 is great. It's classic, and it's worth listening to. But the very next verse is the, the verse that like pulls this story to life for me. Because John chapter 8, verse 12 says this. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, and my, my brain just explodes. Like I, I realize that this story of this woman caught in the act of adultery is a story of light confronting darkness. I just imagine Jesus, all those years ago, turning around, looking at people in the eyes, whoever's left, whoever hasn't walked off, people who have just watched him step in front of this woman, caught in her darkness, Turning and looking them in the eyes and just saying, you know, you know what I did for her? You know what you, know what you just saw me do for her? I can do it for you too. I, I, I see Jesus essentially doing this to the people who are still there. What I just did for her, I can do it for you. I've got light for your anxiety. I've got light for your depression. I've got light for your marriage. I got light for your finances. I got light for your darkness. I see Jesus turning around. And I'm about to preach, everybody. I see Jesus turning around. Listen to me. And he's just saying, I've got light for your darkness. 
I've got light for whatever you're facing tonight. So some of you tonight, you might be thinking, you know, Pastor Jordan, like, come on. Like, is it really that easy? To be honest with you, it's sort of that easy. It's sort of that easy. For many years of my life, I was a kid who grew up in church. I was a pastor's kid. I was on the front row. I heard these messages year in and year out. I heard about this light many, many, many times, especially at Christmas. And for many years, guess what I did with it? I did absolutely nothing. I spent many of the younger years of my life actively resisting the light. I heard it plenty of times, but honestly, I refused to let it in. Just wasn't going to do that. Wasn't sure. Wasn't sure. And so like I already said, you know, I've been a pastor for 17 years, and in my experience, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people sit in a room just like this, sitting in their darkness, listening to a message like this and going, you know, I, 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 I don't know. We'll see. Jury's still out. I'm not, I'm not sure. And I'm just begging you to not do that tonight. I'm begging you to not do that tonight. I'm begging you tonight to utter the very same words out of your mouth that God said in Genesis 1. I'm begging you tonight to say from the deepest place inside of you, let there be light. Genesis 1.3, God said, let there be light and there was light. You know the key phrase in this verse? It's the word let. Let. And I'm asking you tonight to look your darkness in the face, whatever it may be. And I'm asking you to say, let there be light. And for some of you, that's a prayer. It's going to be pretty difficult to get past your lips because whatever you're in, whatever you're facing, whatever's going on, I'm asking you just to look at your darkness in the face and say, listen, let there be light. Let there be light. It's amazing how like, how impossible and how difficult that can feel for some of us, right? Almost feels like wishful thinking. So if that's you, like almost prophetically you speak to something that is dark and you say like it's gonna be light. It might be dark, but it's gonna be light. It might be dark now, but it's not gonna stay that way. And so you let these words out of your mouth tonight, let there be light. Let there be light. You gotta let it. You've gotta let the light in. You know, I was, earlier this week, I was studying for this message at Starbucks. And I was looking at this verse specifically and I, and I, I, just, I just began to do like a word search on the word let. I started to just Webster.com it, you know, and the fourth definition down on the word let, it says this, it says to permit to enter. And I, I gotta be honest, I'm in Starbucks and Webster starts preaching to me. Come on. He starts preaching, I mean, it's like, I'm like, huh? Like the glory of God. Like, honestly, I'm just like a revival. You know, like it's just like there. And I'm like, Webster, homeboy is preaching at me and I, I could not even, the fourth definition down, it says to permit to enter. And I, and I just, I start, I start just 
sitting there, look, listen, I, I want you to look at my eyes, every single one of you tonight. Some of you, all you have to do to get out of the darkness that you're in is just to permit Jesus to enter. That's all you got to do. You just got to permit Jesus to enter. And it really is that easy. And I'm begging you tonight to not resist. Don't do that. Don't resist any longer. Why? Because I don't want you just to celebrate Christmas tonight. I want you to experience Christmas. The significance of it. Light coming in to the darkness of your life and setting you free. It's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. Don't just read about the stable and the angels and the camels and, and, and the nativity you know, characters. Experience the significance of Christmas this year. Light shining in the darkness. The darkness being unable to overcome it. Not then, 2,000 years ago. Not now. And not ever. Not ever. So the question is simply this for you. Will you let the light in? Will you let the light in? And so in a minute, you are going to get a picture. You're going to get a picture of this here in a moment. You're about to get a picture of this. Remember what I said earlier, isn't it amazing what a little bit of light can do in the middle of some darkness? In a moment here, the room's going to get incredibly dark. The room's going to get, I would say, uncomfortably dark for a moment. Darkness can be disorienting, can it? I, I, I don't really like darkness much unless I'm sleeping. You know, that's, that's about when I can handle it. But from this single candle... as long as the air conditioner. <laughs> Might have to have you shut that fan off, Kev. I'm not giving up. always a plan B. I told you a little bit ago, isn't it amazing what a little bit of light can do in the middle of some darkness? We're about to get the room pretty dark. From this single candle, I'm going to light another candle. That candle's gonna light your candle and you're gonna turn to light somebody else's candle. And it's amazing to think about what this little, little candle, this little flame is about to do. But what's also interesting is how 
this little light, this little flame, has the potential to do nothing if you choose to do nothing with it. Right? You have to let there be light. And there will be light. There's light for you tonight. Would you just stand with me? Listen, I, uh, I want you just to bow your heads with me for a moment. I don't know your story necessarily. I don't know what you walked in here with tonight, but I know that there's light for you, whatever the darkness is. And you're here tonight, and you're listening to me, and you're just to say, Pastor Jordan, I'm like, it's time. Like, this is the moment where I need to stop resisting, and this is the moment where I need to let the light in. I want to just, every head bowed in here, right? It's the time between you and the Lord. Would you just let me see your hand? I just want, I just want to pray for you. You just say, it's time to let the light in. It's time to surrender my life to Jesus. It's time to, to, to stop living my life for myself. I want to just live for the Lord now. If that's you, I want you just to pray a prayer in your own words. Real, 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 real simple prayer like this, but just pray it in your own words. Something like this, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. My life, it's so dark and I need your light in me. And so I permit you to enter. Just pray those words. Jesus, I permit you to enter tonight. Be the Lord of my life. Take your place on the throne of my life. Tonight, I hand over control and I give myself to you. Change me. It's time for me to live my life for you. Just in your own words, pray a prayer like that right now. Would you go ahead and just lower the lights?
serve as a picture of what God wants to do in every single one of us tonight. This is what your life could look like if you let it. That's my prayer for you, that as we let the light of Jesus in, the darkness would be gone, and the light that is life would mark all of us. The light shines in the darkness, everybody. The darkness has not overcome it. May you feel hope in your spirit tonight as the light of the world shines for you and for me. You can go ahead and blow out your light, your candle. All right. Well, I got two things to do tonight. I got some ribs to smoke and a candle to take back. So, so yeah. Hey, let me pray for you tonight, all right? Jesus, I thank you for this evening, the opportunity to gather together in your name. I thank you that in the midst of all the darkness, there's hope, that there's a light that still shines, that shined 2,000 years ago, that shines now. I pray hope into every person tonight. You'd be the lifter of their head. God, you'd be the, 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 the very thing that just is at the center of, of our, all of our celebrations tonight and into tomorrow. I thank you that there's none like you. I've, I've, I've tried a lot of things. There's nothing like you. I thank you that there's a love uh, that you give that is, it doesn't compare to anything else. And I just, I just ask, God, that you would do whatever it takes for every person in this room under the sound of my voice to experience and encounter that love too. We love you tonight. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen and amen. Have a great Christmas. We love you. We'll see you January 2nd.